welcome back, Calm listeners. This is Methodical Millions, where you can better your future and better yourself. Cal, we have a superstar joining us today. Everyone, please welcome Ed Lattimore. Ed, how's it going? What gets you excited about life? Uh, it's it's going pretty well, man. Uh, nothing at all to complain about. What gets me excited about life? I think I really like challenging myself and learning. That's pretty much my life. Is if you could like look at the overall arc of things, it's been taking on things that are fairly challenging that most people don't attempt, and I try to get something out of it. I really think there's a developmental advantage to doing extremely difficult things like i talk about this all the time like with boxing or going to school for physics like those are difficult things that most people don't do and i think i got far more out of it in asymmetrical return than the average person does out of their average endeavors first of all congrats and amazing those are two really really cool things were you always born this way or did something happen in your life where you said you know i'm gonna go for it i'm gonna try something incredibly difficult Well, it's not so much that I was like, let me go do something difficult and I'll get a benefit out of it. That's kind of a retrospective realization looking back. What always drove me was looking at where my natural strengths and talents lie. And if those didn't lie anywhere useful, then going, okay, you know, can I learn something and work really hard and develop? That skill and ability. So I say both of those things. I say, you know, like I didn't start fighting until I was 22 and I didn't go back to school until I was 28. And in both of those instances, those were decisions kind of made because I was at a crossroads in my life. And I was like, I need to do something to take myself to the next level because what I'm doing now, how I'm thinking now, it's not working. Right. And so let me attempt to do something difficult. Let me do something challenging. Let me do something where, like, overall, I, I think I have a chance of being all right at least. But the return and what it's going to do for me is significant. And I'm really happy. You know, I guess we can say I guessed correctly because I didn't have any type of, like, I wasn't looking to the future beyond, like, I think when I started fighting, I was like, okay, I need to do something other than, you know, be drinking on the weekend or just hanging out with people. I want like a story for my life. I started really because I hadn't gone to college. I tried to go the first time. It didn't work out well, but I didn't have anything else. And I was always worried that if I died, that there would be no real story about my life. Let me go start beefing up my obituary. And then for physics, it was kind of a similar path, except I had already been fighting for a while and fighting was going all right. But I was like, you know, when fighting's over, and it will be over one day. I've got nothing to fall back on. And like now I don't use my physics degree beyond a piece of motivation when I look up from my work desk. But the fact that I was able to get that and I know how difficult it is. And a lot of the, I guess we'll say secondary skills and benefits that I've developed as a result of pursuing it. Those make my life what it is today. I got to say, honestly, I completely get the physics thing. I went to school for accounting finance, but I've always had this passion for science. And I tell you, I took physics particularly as an elective in university, and it's not easy at all. 
And I always thought to myself that I would want to pursue physics or astrophysics actually as a degree eventually just for myself because it fascinates me. The fact that you've been through your fighting career, you made it as far as you did, which is fantastic. Then you went back to school and you got your physics degree where you are right now in life. We mentioned this before, sometimes in retrospect, it's easy to look at it and think, this guy's made it and he's building himself and improving himself even furthermore. But it's the journey, the same time that it's exhausting and sometimes draining, it could be actually very fulfilling. And I think that's really part of what pushed you to do what you did. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right about that, is that there is a kind of fulfillment that you can't get doing something that doesn't push you. And on top of that, you know, I've always understood that Generally speaking, the more difficult something is, the more rewarding it will be. And not just like an emotionally rewarding and tangible thing that you can't measure, but financially connections. So when given the choice between two things, if I'm looking you know, at what will benefit me the most, I will tend to lean towards the more difficult thing if I can hack it. Because I know that that payoff is just going to be bigger. I have this approach with my whole internet persona right now. We'll say the three pillars of everything I do on the internet. My website, my Twitter, and now my Instagram. And let me tell you, the easier one to grow is Twitter. I don't want to say the returns are quite as natural because it's a lot of energy and time. But the website... That's the interesting thing, because a lot of people don't want to grow websites. They don't want to write. They don't want to put time into SEO. They don't want to put the time into actually, you know, becoming an engaging storyteller as well. They say, you know, blogging is dying, but I don't believe that. And not only do I not believe it, I don't have to do a thing where I believe or disbelieve. I just look at the numbers. I look at the traffic. I look at the conversion rate. And what I've set up is this passive vehicle that is immune to a lot of nonsense on social media because when you come to my site it's because you were looking for what i'm talking about you know as opposed to just again caught up in the crossfire of the noise and that's powerful i was having a discussion with someone the other day a friend of mine made a post on ig that he took from his twitter about if you know you get 300 clicks a day here's what you can kind of expect in terms of return and revenue and there were a lot of people who were like 300 clicks a day, but you know, how much does that traffic cost? Or that's before tax and revenue, you know, they were finding every excuse in the book. And one I found particularly interesting, aside from the other nonsense, they were all nonsense excuses. But one I found particularly interesting was that when my friend made the post, he was doing his math based on a 5% conversion rate. And people thought a 5% conversion rate was incredible. And I said, that's because there's levels to this game. And you'll never see those levels because you're too busy playing on the level you're comfortable at. If someone lands on my sales page from my website for like finding me organically and then they go to one of my products, our conversion rate hovers between 12 and 18%. They can't even imagine that because that's not a game they're trying to play because this is a harder game, right? So the rewards are greater. Well, say I'm at the point from a purely passive standpoint, I can live off my website. I don't have to post. It won't be as great as when I post, but like point is, you know, the levels you're working up slowly but surely. And that's a difficult thing. It's more difficult than blasting noise on Twitter. 
Totally. And you got a very powerful voice. I mean, your message you're carrying, you have conviction. You're saying, this is who I am. I'm going to teach people how to be better, how to push themselves. And I've had this eureka moment in the last couple of years as well, which is find mentors that inspire you and learn from those people. School is good in a factory sense if you're going to have a job for 40 years. But if you're going to find your own path, you have to connect with people who you resonate with and who you want to be like. So kudos to you. I think that's awesome. And when did this whole online persona start? Were you totally out of fighting? Did you ever get a job in physics or did you ever work a boring office job? Is kind no, of no. So, so my, um, my path has been, I think, kind of unique. I think it is amongst the people in the space. I think it's a unique path. First of all, I've always enjoyed writing. I've actually had my website now for, I think it's coming into its, we use my enlistment because I remember I was sending posts back, handwritten to a person I gave my admin credentials to so they could update. So we'll say I've had my website now for 10 years, nine years, I've always written and I just always liked writing and put stuff on the site and try to grow it and just put it up. Didn't really know anything about SEO, just putting up my writing. I was a terrible writer. I mean, everyone has got to start somewhere. But as far as like what I do now, when there was kind of a transition moment, when I lost my first fight, I lost the little bit of money because there's no money in boxing, man. Maybe there's a little bit more now because the internet has really changed things. Because even when I was fighting, which wasn't that long ago, uh, there was not this revolution of streaming you were on the cutting edge if you were streaming your fights as a promoter now you're kind of in front of the a ball as they say because i guess behind it is when you're ahead that's you're a little behind and there's just a lot more money now anyhow for the most part still like i was at a local club show last night not a lot of money in a fight game wasn't when i was fighting when i lost i lost that little bit of money that i was depending on I had to figure some things out and I had to figure them out quickly because the money I made was running out. I was in school too. A lot of the story will make a lot more sense if you remember that from the period of 2014 to 2016, I was doing everything that I'm known for at the same time, like writing, military, school, and boxing. I was doing it all at the same time. Anyhow, when I lost fighting, I was kind of the linchpin because that was my income to do all this because school is expensive and you can't really have a job when you're doing physics and life is hard that way. But I took the semester off when I lost that fight and said, all right, I'm going to go back. And I was off the semester during the loss, not like I took it off afterwards. So I was going to return to school after, but I had missed the internship period. So I was trying to find a job and I had a lot of prospects for a lot of full-time work, even though I didn't have my degree because I had like a hundred credits and associates in an engineering discipline. And I had my military occupational specialty, which was a bit of a mouthful, land combat, electrical systems repairer. I was very good with electronics and fixing things. So I had a lot of full-time job offers, but they were like, you know, just quit your degree. You know, you're fine where you're at. I'm like, Okay, one that confirms that school is kind of, eh, right? But I'm having a good time. And on top of that, I was already a sunk cost thing, man. I had like 90 some credits, man. I didn't want to like stop. Now credits cost money, and I wanted to get the end result. And I had planned on going back to fighting. So I was taking a year off. So I needed to find a way to like 
feed myself during all of this. And my baptism by fire moment, this was, you know, the year 2017 is where I really learned. I learned how to work for myself because the first thing I ended up doing, I ended up tutoring kids in high school in math and physics. It's a great job. And not only is it a great job because it was what I had been studying actively, which makes it a lot easier. Like I tried tutoring when I wasn't studying actively just for like two months off. World of difference. Your brain kind of atrophies on those skills. I'll pick them up quick now if I jump back in, but I wouldn't be nearly as good as I would be after two months in class. So that was fun. And I made a lot of connections and a good time. I really honed and improved my understanding of the subjects as well. But I needed to do this job because the other alternative to the full-time work was part-time work. But part-time work wasn't going to pay me enough to you know, put a roof over my head. They wanted the part-time jobs like $11, $12 an hour. And I could kind of, like, if I really made a stretch, I could make that work. But it was going to be a very uncomfortable stretch. And I probably wasn't going to make it all the time. With tutoring, I was able to set my rate at like $35 an hour. And I started at that. I eventually had to raise it because I was very good at it. So the word kept getting around. And so I had to raise my price to kind of get rid of people. What you learn real quick, though, is that parents bear no expense for their children. And even $50 an hour was not good enough. But the point was, you know, at that point, I'm working like, I think at the height of my game, I was doing like two grand a week. And this is vital. It might not seem like it's related to the online biz stuff, but doing that gave me the time to self-publish my first book and self-publishing that first book really opened the floodgates and that got me a lot of interviews got me a lot of guest posts because i didn't have that big i mean i had what some people would consider a big following at that time but it was barely ten thousand people it was like 1100 followers and i didn't even have three thousand people on my mailing list or anything like that really the humble origins they continue to grow and grow and grow But this was all during 2017. You know, I'm paying my rent like a stripper, man. I'm pulling out money and handing it to the landlord in 20s and 10s. And on top of that, I'm counting on those Amazon royalties each month along with my pay from tutoring. But those two things combined, I started out January, like, you know, hoping on a prayer that my check would come from school. And then by April, I was making like five or six grand a month between tutoring and my book. And I was like, wow, this is great. And it really let me see that, okay, I kind of have what it takes. And it gave me a real taste of freedom because it wasn't passive income completely, but it was event-driven income. And that is still better than a straight salary. And in that event-driven income, I'm like, okay, what's the next step in freedom? And then later that year, I had my first real sale online, being an affiliate for somebody. And I think I made like eight grand during the Black Friday weekend. It was right before we went to Portugal. My fiance is from Portugal. So we go back and visit often. It was actually my first time there. And I was like, okay, I've got money and it's okay. I bought like a coat while I was there. I never been able to buy stuff when I travel. And I said, I got a real shot at doing this. So let me finish my degree out. I only had one semester left. I'm really happy. I bet on myself and did that because it's really turned out well. Dude, congrats. That's amazing. And I think that travel story, I can really relate because, you know, you travel as like a 19 year old, throw it on a visa and you barely got money for anything, right? That's amazing because I think the huge point here is that you got to try. And how you started this conversation talking about not knowing where it's going to lead you, I think is super important because it could be a gut feeling just knowing something's not right in your life and you got to try and you got to push forward and you got to see where it goes. And 
what do you think makes people cross that barrier? You know, you've got military, that discipline, that motivation. How do you get someone who's stuck, who doesn't see that trying actually helps? What do you say to someone like that? You know, I think a lot about this because I recognize that I have a few traits that perhaps may not be good in general, but because I've harnessed them, they're good. I mean, that persistence, that trying, but I have a higher tolerance for risk than the average person. But I actually don't think I do. I just think it's calculated. I mean, I think I'm very good at weighing out everything and going, well, if I stay here, I know it's here and this ain't going to be good. So let me go on a path where there might be something better. And I think that's all I'm doing, right? But what I say to somebody, I guess, who is wondering what to do or what path to take, I will remind them that they kind of know what they're doing and how that's going to turn out. Barring an incredible surprise, systems don't spontaneously order themselves, right? And that's kind of like specific physics language. But if we apply that to our lives, your life isn't suddenly going to, you know, you're not suddenly going to wake up and be on the adventure of your lifetime. You're not suddenly going to wake up and be any closer to your goal. Anything you want out of this life is going to take the infusion of energy and it's going to take a certain level of uncertainty to get there because nothing is guaranteed. The only thing you can guarantee is your process. There's a great scene in the movie The Matrix right before Neo goes to meet Morpheus. He's being taken by Trinity and the other people to see Morpheus and he's in the backseat of the car and he's got one of those tracker bugs in his stomach. And they take the bug out and they throw it away. And he's like, whoa, that was real because he had a dream and he thought it was a dream that they put that in him, but it was the real deal. And he's about to take off and Trinity's character stops him. And Trinity says to him, you know, you don't want to go down that path, Neo, because you know where it goes and you know where it ends already. They don't tell him anything about the new path because we don't know whether he'll like it or not. But they're reminding him that he knows where the other path is going to go. So if you want to shake things up, you kind of look at the odds of succeeding in a new path and just kind of go that way. But you know what you're doing isn't going to work. One thing I've discovered, too, is that whenever you try to do something, period, whenever you try to do something with intent, I mean, you try to do something constructive as well. So constructive with intent. What tends to happen, there tends to be a lot of other secondary benefits that you couldn't anticipate or even know what exists that are the result of you trying to accomplish the first main thing. You know, I get introduced to a bunch of investors because I'm trying to become a boxer and they're looking to put money behind a fighter or they just like me. I get introduced to heads of state because I'm writing on Twitter and I'm trying to grow my website. And these are things that happen, right? I get interviews on podcasts with millions of listeners because I'm trying to grow my Instagram intently with the same message. These are things I can't predict and I don't know what they're going to happen, but they do happen. And it's a really great experience. I think about what happened if I just said, I'm going to put all of it in a boxing and I don't care what happens anywhere else. I just can't do that. I mean, I know some guys can and good for them, but I'm looking at what can go wrong. And so I go to school and I take care of that. And so when I need to do something, when boxing is not paying, when I lose and I get hurt, I'm able to step away and I go tutor. And that's one of those things. I did not anticipate that in my life. I went to school to get a job, right? <laughs> and turns out it opened up so many other doors and opportunities for me. And I think that is the result of behaving intently, trying to make myself or the world a better place.
It makes me think as well of something you've said actually on your Twitter feed, and I've heard this before, so I'd like to reflect on it again. So you tweeted, you ain't gotta love what you do. In fact, you probably shouldn't. What you should love is the feeling of getting better, learning, and pushing yourself. It's very hard to be unhappy if you cultivate a love of those things. And I find that very contradictory to what people think they should do, yet very enlightening. You got into school for one purpose, and then it led you to another. And maybe those things like tutoring might not have been something you liked doing necessarily, but you were good at it and you were able to charge a premium maybe for a different intent, yet you got a different result yeah. and that maybe perhaps opened <laughs> the doors for something else, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's something that a lot of people don't realize that you tend to enjoy what you become good at. So you should probably focus on becoming good at something first. If you do that, then it's really hard to be unhappy when you're good at something. You don't have to love it. And people go and chase what they love first. And then they wonder why they never find what they love because it doesn't work that way. I'd be like, you know, think about it like this from a more relatable level, less abstract. Dating. If you set out to go, I'm going to love this girl first. I'm going to find this girl I love. And then I'm going to try and build a relationship around all her flaws and weaknesses and problems and mine as well. Then maybe it'll work out. And people who go, that's how it used to work. No, we were dealing with kind of economic restrictions and societal norms that forced a system where people stayed together for a long time despite differences. Now with a free market open, if you want a lasting, strong relationship, you need a different strategy. And so that strategy is now called creepy. Like if you show up and you just start treating a girl like you're madly in love after the first month, you're going to find yourself very lonely. And not only that, on the off chance that it does work, assuming you're not extremely lucky, the exception what you've done is you dismissed a lot of other things that are necessary. So imagine if you find a job out of nowhere that you love and it didn't force you to develop any skill, it didn't force you to become better, it didn't force you to exercise discipline. That's likely a low pain, low prestige job that anyone could do. You're just happy to be there and have some income rather than no income. And if we can take that idea of the dating, think about that. If you give, you just happen to end up with somebody who you love off the bat, you know, you're either extremely lucky or extremely delusional. And that is the same idea behind finding what you love versus getting good at something and then falling in love with it. You put the work into it. You hone and own that craft. You're dedicated. You've put time into it. That's how you end up doing something you love. You know, I don't even know how much I genuinely love writing. I might have just put so much time into it that at this point, I understand kind of what works and what doesn't work. And there's a lot of prayerful benefits to it, too, particularly what it does for organizing the thoughts in my head. But imagine if I started going, I'm going to find and people do this and they wonder why they can't start this thing up and keep going. Because this thing is hard and it kind of sucks and it's not really the best way to make money. But I enjoy writing because I've honed and put the craft in. So now it, it does pay me and now it does work to further connections. But it's because I started just with this idea of building a skill. Same with fighting. You know, if you fight for money, you're not going to be fighting for long. Yeah, you have to love the process, right? And that's why yeah. it's such a journey. 
there's that famous Wright Brothers story. The people who wanted to figure out flying had all the money in the world. And then when the Wright Brothers figured it out, they gave up. So they're doing it for the wrong reasons. And I think that part's clear. And I think the hack here is that if you do something for the love of the process, which is being yourself and learning, no one can take that from you. No one can grab it, rip it off your neck and say, you can't do that. Of course you can do it. Exactly. You know, and I just wish more people understood that happiness is secondary. It's probably a little lower than secondary, but it definitely is not the first thing you should try to pursue or even think about or look for. It's just going to lead you to an unhappy place. Because, you know, think about what drugs are, for example. Drugs are just, they're just chemical happiness. And you take this drug to feel a certain way instantly instead of doing any kind of work on yourself to get there you just go i'm gonna be happy i'm gonna be bored i'm gonna be outgoing i'm gonna be relaxed whatever right it's designed to quickly induce this feeling and there's a cost that comes with that particularly (laughs) whenever you quickly attain something you typically have to give up something for what you discounted in time And that, you know, in the case of drugs is control. That's usually the biggest one that you give up. And with the case of employment or what you do for a living, if you're able to quickly find what you love, short of just being a prodigy at something, and that doesn't really count because once again, that skill still. So if you just end up with something you love, what you typically shortchange is development. And that will cost you. It won't cost you immediately, but but one day you're going to be like, wow. It really sucks living on $1,500 a month when my rent and living expenses and food come up to $1,600 a month. And I don't have any roommates because I'm 31 and no one wants to room with a 30-something-year-old because the other 30-something-year-olds have families that are taking care of themselves and I'm too old to be, you know, shacking up with college kids. That's what you give up when you discount the time to get better. And the time to hone a skill, you always give something up in that exchange for time. Yeah. And let's talk about that. So I find that whenever you take a different path, you're doing things that 30 year olds don't on paper typically do. Let's call that the withdrawal phase, withdrawal of life, getting off the expectation mode of what people think, what you think other people think about you. And I think that's where people get held back, which is they spend too much mental energy on how is this going to make me look? And then get depressed or upset that they're not where they want to be because on paper, it might not look right. But if you're going to delve into that process of learning and growing, it's got to start from the bottom. If you want to build conviction, it has to be ground up and you have to throw away what people think of you, right? Absolutely. not true? Because here's the thing, right? This is funny, man. People ain't even thinking about you. They're too busy, too self-conscious in the first place. So they're not really worried about you, per se. You might entertain them if they happen to cross your path. At the same time, you're making a mistake. You might be fodder for gossip, but no real thought about you because they're too worried about their problems. They're too worried about you being right, for example. When you care too much about what other people think and what they're going to say and do and all that, you know, let's pretend they do care still. So what? Because at the end of the day, and it's something I figured out, you always kind of know it intellectually, but I didn't really figure it out and really absorb it viscerally 
until I got into my late 20s. And I said, you know, I really want to be seen as this guy who's like this party social guy for whatever reason, my own insecurity. But the reality is that I'm the only one that's got to live with my life. And I got to be honest with myself. What do I really want out of this life? And that's one of the questions I asked myself that led me getting sober, that led to me taking a risk to go back to school. And, and in doing so, I had to join the army at 28. 28, most of my people, I mean, I got friends now that are just turning 25, 26, because I met them when they were fresh out of high school in the military. And my enlistment class was full 18-year-olds because I went to training on June 4th, right when high school was letting out. So it's one of those experiences a lot of people wouldn't even think to take that risk, to put themselves in an uncomfortable position like that, because it was uncomfortable. I was older than most of my drill sergeants. But it's something you got to do because I had a plan and I saw that. Same with going back to school. When I was in class, most of my classmates were 10 years younger than me, as they should be, because, you know, that's when you go to college. I started fighting at 22, you know, not exactly old, at least relative to the physics degree, but still, man, a lot of fights. I was the oldest guy. You know, I didn't start fighting with guys my own age until I got to the upper levels of the heavyweight division because it takes a little longer for your body to develop that amount of muscle and be athletic enough to move around in the ring for six rounds. Point is, there were all these new beginnings, and I look forward to the beginnings in the future because it's been trained in me. That's where the seeds start. I used to get, get flack for how much time and energy I spent on social media as an adult, and now social media has put me into an income bracket. You know, I grew up poor, like real poor, at least American poor, not like, you know, third world country poor. But housing projects, all that, right? And then when I went to high school, I got a bunch of friends who were middle class, upper middle class. They have a lot of advantages initially, but I blew past them income level wise because I decided one day I said, this social media thing looks powerful. And I understand just from seeing the people who are on it, that time is a big advantage. So let me just start doing it now. And, you know, eight years later, man, it's a freaking license to print money. It's kind of ridiculous. But it's only a license to print money if you have something worth saying, right? It's not like I just show up one day and make the money printer go burr or something like that. It doesn't just happen that way. I have to have things to say and do. But all those come from my life experiences, a lot of starting over, a lot of being new, a lot of picking up skills. I didn't speak a lick of Spanish until whew, probably when I was 25, 26, whenever I moved to L.A. But you, you put the time into it and learn it, and now it's probably pretty comfortable B1 level go to places and order food and get around and get to the airport and watch TV and all that. But it's just starting over, man. I look forward to whatever's coming in the future, starting over and learning that. That's what I love about things. You know, it made me laugh there about the social media aspect. Like you said, you were able to contribute to the social media community and really see something of use, something people want to know and learn. And that's how you gain your following and gain traction, perhaps helped you as well with your websites and your books. So it's absolutely true. And it's beautiful that the fact that you mentioned all these things in your life in societal terms might be at the late phase, starting with boxing or going to the military or going back to school. So age is just a number. This is absolute proof of it. If there's any one prime example, I would say you're it, that you're able to get every single aspect that you've achieved done at an age where it's a non-typical stage where you can start, right? So it's that thing. You have it in your head. You have it in your mind. You had challenging beginnings, upbringings, you know, financially you struggled. And that could possibly be something that motivated you to do better. Even to this day, I think a lot of people don't appreciate social media as much as they should. 
I'm personally guilty of that. I still believe it is. I just don't feel that I personally am putting in the effort as much as I should be. And obviously, you know, John has been on this for years. We've known each other for so long now, and he's been on it since day one. Yeah, you know, you don't have to, like, live on it. I mean, I live on it. I actually said to myself one day, I'm going to spend this much time here. I got to figure out how to make some money from here because it ain't going to go away. I'm not going to stop. Let me figure this out. That's kind of how I looked at it initially is that I got to figure out how I'm going to make money here. I can't remember who said it. It's one of those things I read on Twitter. I read it and it's really stuck on me. You know, you build the distribution, then you build whatever you want. If more people understood how powerful that idea is, I had a guy I was working with. He said something really profound. He's like, you can make whatever you want at this point. It'll make you some money. Like, you'll never have a dud product again. It'll be dud comparatively. But absolutely, in the grand scheme of things, there's no reason why if you didn't want to put a little effort in it, you couldn't make $10,000 a week. And it's true. You know, whenever the itch strikes me, but I have a purpose, like I have a trip coming up, I say, oh, I'll just raise the money for that trip. That's a cool feeling. And one of those things that just wasn't possible for the internet and social media specifically came around. Now that it's here, it's a really cool thing. And I'm really grateful to just be born when I was born and have the experiences that I had so I could be part of this. Yeah, I always say the internet's like a utility. With a $50 internet connection, you can do anything. Yeah, talk about life-changing. I mean, for free, too. Like, you think about all the tools that you can use or have. I mean, my first ebook was, I don't want to say trash. I mean, content-wise, it was a good ebook, But in terms of, like, editing and design, it wasn't that great. And I don't think my first self-published book was that great either. In fact, I'm redoing it as we speak. But the point is, I did it. I just got it done and got it out there and put together the following to make sure it was kind of worthwhile to read. And that's all free. I mean, it cost my time, but it was time well invested. And so I'm big into asymmetrical wins, they call it. I think the time I spent on social media has been a huge asymmetrical win. Yeah, totally. And I'll bring up a point about that. The most proud I've ever been about a car I own has been the $500 beater because it was mine with my own money. And, you know, I didn't have a loan. And I'm going to say that I bet from your first ebook, you're just as proud, if not more proud than your most recent one. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, you know, I wrote the thing. There was a fair amount of stress involved and it was a good time, though. I was able to do a thing that a lot of people say they want to do, which is write a book. Once that book is written, it's out there and people see it. And it's not this kind of proof of concept work of art that people can go and see, oh, he did a thing. He's not a regular person BSing on the internet. That's the whole idea is you can build a brand around your own message and yourself. And I think you're just at this point exploring and enjoying life. And that's the superpower, which is you can talk about your process of learning and growing. And you're at that stage where, A, it means something. And B, it's great that you don't have someone telling you what to do and you can explore that creativity. You can explore and lean into what comes next, right? And do you have a bucket list of Ed's next five things that you want to do? Are you going to go to space? Are you going to start something crazy? Like what's next? What's next for Ed? Uh, No one's going to space, but the next thing that's happening, I'm working on my next book. And that's going to be right now. The working title is the Stoic Street Smarts based on my website. I don't know if I'll stick with that title, but just from a branding perspective, makes sense. 
But the idea is I want to teach people how to evaluate the world and check it for bias and nonsense while also controlling themselves and being able to break that down. Because I find the big reason why people can't evaluate the world correctly is because they get emotionally involved and attached to it. I'm a big fan of emotional control, but then you got to dig deeper into that because people think emotional control is somehow not feeling when the idea is it's really the opposite. It's just done with discipline. So that's the next one, big one coming up. I'm going to make more YouTube videos because I recognize that it's another channel and I need to expand there. You know, I don't even really promote my channel. I've got 981 followers, so I probably should do something with that and, and have a good time and make this work. But other than that, I'm writing, I'm working on the next big trip back to Europe and that means I'll go and learn French. That's what I want to do. But we'll see how that goes and hopefully it works out well. Yeah, we'll definitely do a cross post on YouTube one time. We're getting that going as well. And yeah, just about learning a new style, a new medium. And I think the beauty of the internet, whether you've got something to say or you want to learn something, I think just realizing that you can connect to someone new. And if you walk through your day, school, home, work, Maybe you know 100 people. And the fact that a lot of people might feel uneasy, depressed, or not where they want to be, I think is a message to say, go on the internet, go reach out to new people, learn new things, learn new skills. And that is the ultimate message, which is you can decide what your future looks like, no matter how uncertain it's going to be. Absolutely. That is how I feel about the whole thing, is that I have the ability to make things happen for me. What's the old saying that, you know, the best way to know the future is to create it. And I 100% believe that and try to live by it. Awesome, Ed. Where can people find you for all our listeners today? I'm Ed Lattimore on Instagram, on Twitter. My website is edlattimore.com. My YouTube page is Ed Lattimore. I'm Ed Lattimore everywhere. So you don't have to worry about spelling mistakes. I'm very easy to find. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. It's been very eye-opening and what a powerful message. Thank you very much. Just want to thank you as well, Ed, myself. It's been an absolute blast having you. Awesome, man. Thank you very much. So with that said, let's wrap up today's episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of Methodical Millions, where you can better your future and better yourself. Thanks, everyone.